A Key to the Inside, a podcast by Corey Johnson-Levitt. By interviewing leaders from all branches of government, our podcast will provide insight and an up-close perspective into state and national government. All right, welcome to a new episode of A Key to the Inside, the KJL podcast. We are excited to have uh, the state budget director, Chris Harkins, with us. Uh, Chris has made the transition from someone who spent many, many years uh, kind of supporting the negotiation to someone who is now leading the negotiation. So we're very excited to chat with him about that transition, his goals, the governor's goals, um, and how he's settling in. So welcome, Chris. Thanks. Thanks, Andy. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited. So I think for us, we'd love to just get started a little bit about your background and kind of how you found yourself in this work and how you found yourself to uh, be a budget director. What or uh, what was that path for you? <laughs> it was a normal path, right? It was uh, <laughs> go to go to undergrad for an international relations degree and turn out as budget director. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's how it worked. Um, you know, it, it's been a, it's been fascinating for me. It's been almost, I don't like to acknowledge, but it's been almost 20 years now of, of work around uh, our fair state capital, uh, almost all of which has been uh, with budgets. So, um, it's been a long it's it's been a long time, but it's been really great, and I'm I'm really fortunate to be in this job now. Uh, I'm fortunate to have been last in that role as as Senate fiscal director, which was truly a a tremendous opportunity for me. It was uh, the staff there are are amazing assets for the legislature. Um, I think they are just both them and the the House fiscal agency as well as our my current staff here at the budget office are just those sort of um, tremendous employees who who actually make everything work. Uh, they don't get the credit they deserve. Um, so to be able to be associated with that that sort of group of people for such a long time is really, it's really a great position to be in. That's awesome. Um, just a little bit maybe more about yourself here. Uh, if you weren't reading budget docs every night, um, what would you be reading or watching on TV just to give folks a sense of what uh, the budget director might be as a person, not just someone who's drafting briefs and digesting reams of data every day? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I would love, Andy, to be able to say that I am reading all sorts of highbrow, you know, fancy things. That's not certainly not always the case. Uh, presently, I am. Um, Rewatching all of Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, which is just nice. tremendously uh, mindless but wildly enjoyable for me. Yes. Um, I, it turns out I forgot the entire sixth season arc, uh, so I was really excited to, to get back through that. Um, so I, I do. I'll watch those sort of things to kind of decompress at the end of the night. I, you know, my my wife reads a ton, uh, so I try to keep up with her. She's the sort who can read a book in a day. I can't do that. So I like to, I also like to try to alternate what I'm reading. Uh, so I'll go from a, maybe a historical work to uh, something like an Agatha Christie Poirot book, uh, you know, a little bit of balance um, as well. But that's, that's how I decompress. But, but, um, you know, we, we have a, a seven year old son um, who keeps us very busy. And uh, and that's we're so lucky um, 
but it also means maybe not as much time to decompress in, in every evening. Yeah. So I can relate to that. I have uh, two boys and uh, my wife also can read a book in a day. So sometimes we'll grab a like a modern fiction or something and we'll quote unquote read it together. <laughs> and like three days later, she's like, oh, yeah, the book, man, it's great. And I'm like on the third chapter and she's done with the book. So, right. uh, that, yeah, it's a good feeling, right? Like, uh, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. It's another way she shamed me in my uh, mediocrity. So, uh, well, great. Have you kicked the staff here for the Yeah. You know, I've had just a, a short time to settle into this new role of budget director. Um, but for many years, you were on staff and you were supporting negotiations and now you are the negotiator. Uh, explain to us how that has uh, changed your perspective and, and how it's been to kind of make that transition into this new role. Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting to, to make that transition. Um, I'm, I'm lucky, I've been able to watch uh, a lot of folks negotiate over the last 20 years. I've seen some folks do fairly well. I've seen some folks do less well. Uh, I, you know, and all along the way, I've tried to kind of pick up some tips and tidbits um, to use on my own. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's key to negotiating is just being as kind of straightforward as, as possible. And, and that's a thing I kind of try to come by naturally and try to try to work with. I think it's it's best if you're negotiating in good faith. And that's kind of a, a, a core component. And, and, and you know, if you're doing that, I think you're in a good spot to begin with. So, um, but it is, it's been different, Stephanie, to be able to, to go from, you know, kind of moving around the table a little bit to now being um, in that negotiating seat. But I'm, I'm fortunate to, be, to have great staff again who work with me uh, who helped to, to get us ready to, to get us uh, engaged properly but but also to have good people to negotiate with you know I've known uh, chair Stamas for years I'm getting to know chair Albert well now uh, and I think to be able to have those sort of individuals across the table is also a benefit so uh, yeah it's a transition well, but it's a good one your history in the legislature in the legislature and your various roles and your relationships, I'm sure has helped you a great deal in this transition. And I know that when you were doing the budget, budget presentation, uh, you did an awesome job and uh, you had uh, a very good command of the room. And it was clear that you were comfortable with the people that you were presenting before. And I know that that makes a huge difference in as you're, as you're trying to forward these proposals that you're working on on behalf of the governor. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I spent the bulk of my career desperately trying to never um, have to testify in front of committee. Uh, and then the last several years as as uh, SFA director, that was kind of one of the pieces of the job. Uh, so it's certainly a place I I feel comfortable. But it's a, you know, you're right. It's it's a it's a um, it's an intimidating position. It's a it's a yeah. room of certainly of of a lot of different opinion. Um, and and it's a it's a very kind of public conversation, and it's not that that's a a concern necessarily, but I think for anybody that's a that's an intimidating position. So um, having yeah. at least had a few years to be become more comfortable in that role of, of, of 
sitting in front of many of those same individuals has certainly allowed me to feel a, a little more uh, comfortable in the transition. But I don't know that we'll ever be in a place where that feels great. <laughs> you guys have, have experienced plenty of that as well. So I don't know. Do you ever get to a point where you feel really comfortable in front of the legislature? <laughs> We're lobbyists. We try very hard not to put ourselves yeah. in the position that you are in. <laughs> We're, we're we're coaching. We're 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 in the background coaching all the time. Yeah, and I came into this business similar to you. I uh, always worked really hard to never be in the story or part of the story as a staffer. So I can appreciate how that may feel a little foreign, but uh, you've taken to it. Uh, it appears quite naturally. So I assumed you've worked quite hard on it. So thank you. Um, she, talking a little bit more, maybe macro about this conversation around the state budget, we have been laser focused on a lot of these federal dollars and then increased general fund. Um, and obviously that gives you and the governor in the legislature tremendous opportunity to be maybe more creative or make some really great investments. But it wasn't long ago, pre-COVID, we were really talking about some structural issues um, that the state faced. Looking for a moment past this onset of, you know, increased, uh, revenue and the federal funds, you know, how are you guys thinking about this budget and it fits into maybe a longer term framework around sustainability for road funding, which was obviously a big topic um, previous to you and uh, how these today's or uh, investments impact some of those sustainability questions long term or on the budget. Yeah, it's an important question, uh, and it's one we've we take really seriously in the budget office. Um, you know, as we as we put the budget together and as we rolled out um, last week, two weeks ago, it's it's all kind of run together. Um, you know, we, we are really focused on that kind of one-time revenue versus ongoing revenue, and and what we try to do in in building the budget recommendation and then in, in partnership with the legislature as we go forward is, is making sure we don't over obligate ourselves based on what that revenue picture looks like. So um, if you were to look at the governor's budget proposal, you'll see that that even the, the tax change uh, recommendations that are a part of that, the change in the EITC and repealing the retirement tax, those components are built in a way where we, we phase them in or build them today to, to um, complement the revenue picture that we see based on the, the consensus revenues. Um, and so we're, we're trying to be cognizant of what that picture looks like, what the revenue streams look like, and making adjustments appropriately there. Um, so it's really a, a matter of, of keeping track of what's one-time and what's, what's ongoing. And then with those one-time resources, for which there's a, a healthy amount, um, we, we're trying to make strategic investments with those one-time dollars that, that can be used maybe over the short term, you know, maybe one to two years sort of investments, uh, really making sure we focus on, on, on purposefully using those dollars to try to get us through the pandemic and then really to focus on what we want Michigan to look like in the next five, 10, 20 years. I think you're right, Andy. We've got a really unique situation with the current one-time general fund and school aid revenues, but also with those federal dollars. And, and we need to be purposeful in how we allocate those monies so that we don't look back 20 years later and say, what did we do with those resources? And so that's 
that's why it's an important conversation um, but it's where i'm glad it's it's a thing that our office in in certainly in consultation with the the governor are taking seriously um and we're pleased that the legislature is doing so as well you know it's interesting that obviously the governor yourself the legislature you're all in this very unique situation of having this influx of federal dollars to a tune that we will we've never seen before and probably will never see in our lifetimes again so it's giving you um a lot of opportunities for investing and over over uh the past few decades uh we've had to de-invest in a lot of areas such as roads is one very um clear area but also in um, some of our health initiatives, uh, mental health being one of the main ones. And that's uh, received a lot of attention over the last uh, three, four or five years in the legislature. How can we better provide services to folks um, in, uh, that are in need of mental health services? And, and how do we better create an environment to attract people into the professions because much uh, it, this is systemic across the board but uh, folks wanting to enter these professions uh, mental health we we've got a we've got um, a real lack of providers out there and we noticed that the governor's recommendation has some funding in there to help with this area help get uh, more people interested in profession can you talk a little more about that and explain to us how you see that working um, and and how you believe that's going to help attract people and create more providers in the state yeah you're right stephanie there's a lot of uh, there's a lot in the governor's budget recommendation that's focused on really investing in people and investing in ways to, as, as it just kind of indicated, try to look forward, right? What are the, what's the workforce need that we have in the state? What do we want the state to look like? How many, you know, how, how do we want to see our teachers uh, in the next, you know, 10, 15 years? And so um, in addition to that, it's, it's, it is focused on some um, behavioral health supports, mental health supports. It's focused on, um, improving access for people to uh, oral health right so there's a lot of changes in investment in the in the governor's budget that are focused on those kind of longer term and transition uh, um, transformational sort of investments and a lot of that is based in people uh, and so you do see investments from the governor's recommendation for um for teacher retention and for teacher um training and, and new pipeline access there with with scholarships but you also see an investment for loan repayment that the governor's recommended for individuals who are going into behavioral health and and, and um, uh, training for people who are interested in mental health services and so there there's a lot of, of focus on those sort of workforce issues because we know we need them we we want to make sure we've got a state that can accommodate those kind of future needs and we need to address them now uh, and so trying to invest in in our people and in those workforce um, pipelines is incredibly important and to try to remove some of the barriers that individuals might have in in accessing those sort of um, new careers is important you see uh, investments in the in in the area of workforce around 
removing barriers. There's $15 million to try to remove uh, barriers for folks who may have trouble getting employment. There's, there's money specifically targeted to try to get um, access for, for young people to better understand how they might fit into a future economy and how they access um, these, these various career paths. And it's th that sort of, kind of forward thinking that I think will help us to, to better um, prepare our workforce as we go forward and to make sure it, it reflects a Michigan that we, that we wanna see. I think it's also interesting uh, that you made a commitment to shore up the budget stabilization fund, which is something that has, you know, it was depleted decades ago and it's taken decades to uh, build that back up, but it's clear the governor made a strong commitment to ensuring that we have something in the future for when there is a downturn. Yeah, the, the budget recommendation includes uh, 52 million general fund into the BSF, and that that would bring us to over a billion and a half dollars in that in that fund, um, which is that's not nothing. That's that's about that that would be the largest um, uh, kind of total that we've ever had in the BSF, and and that's yeah. important. It's, it, it'd be about five percent of the combined GF and school aid fund. Um, and and it's a it's a substantial amount that is helpful to do exactly as you say. To in in case we do see a downturn at some point, we've got some resources set aside to help mitigate that issue. And and it has been a commitment from this administration, and it was a commitment from the prior administration to try to to grow that amount uh, back to to a place that works. And and we're pleased last. Last year, we were able to, to put 500 million into that BSF and, and build on that with this 52 million is substantial. And, and the governor is committed to making sure that we've got those sort of resources. They help with our, our credit ratings. That sort of commitment to long-term financial stability is important. It's important for us to show uh, our, the, the, the um, investors around the country. It's important for us to show the people of Michigan that we're, mm -hmm. we're we are approaching things from a, a financially sound perspective. Over the course of the year, there's been some discussion by members of the legislature to think about maybe uh, spreading out the input or the investments from the federal dollars. Clearly, you guys have made the decision uh, with this budget, it reflects it, that um, you think that money is best deployed um, now, can you talk about that perspective and how you guys arrived there and how you're thinking about that? Yeah, it's it's a this is a really unique situation. And I think we all, those of us around this Lansing bubble understand that this is a really unique time in terms of available revenues. Uh, I've said before, it's not once in a lifetime. This is kind of once. We've not seen this before. Um, and, you know, the state has received six and a half billion dollars from the federal government for the um for what what is a flexible but not entirely discretionary spending uh we have allocated portions of that already primarily to try to um, address pandemic need and those monies came to us from the federal government specifically to address the pandemic and and it's important to to remember that that's what they are first for and and now We've got about 4.7 billion left of that of that pot. Um, additionally, there are some some other more programmatic spends 
that come through and go out to um, with with less discretion. We've still got about a 1.2 billion that we'd like to see appropriated there, uh, and we're working with the legislature to do that as well. But you're right, Andy. The um, the administration has provided uh, quite a bit in terms of a plan and how we would spend that total pot. Uh, and the legislature has begun to give us some feedback on that. And, and we've seen now, uh, in addition to some of the supplementals that we've passed, the Senate has a, a very clear uh, proposal on, on dealing with water and infrastructure. Um, certainly two areas that the administration is very keen to, to, to uh, work with them on. Uh, the House has also put forward proposals uh, not only had they put forward a proposal that we just um, signed recently on some COVID health supports, they've also put forward some suggestions on spending those dollars with law enforcement, other and then, which is another area that the administration had, had similarly put forward some ideas. So, you know, it's 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 such a unique time. It does take a little bit to wrap your arms around it, uh, but it also comes with some timelines. Uh, we have through calendar year 24 to spend those dollars. But I think you and your clients and folks around town know sometimes it takes some ramp up before we can get those dollars out. So what we're trying to do is get those dollars appropriated as soon as we can after thoughtful consideration as to how it ought to be spent uh, so that we were able to get those dollars out into the state, working around the state before the feds say the clock runs out on how on how we can use those dollars. So we want to make sure we are allocating money earlier, um, so that we're not running up against that clock. So I, you know, I it's always the legislature's goal to have the budget completed before they go on summer recess. Uh, whether that's going to happen or not, we never we never truly know. But as you wrap this budget up, what are some of the um, concerns that you see coming down the pipe um, once these negotiations are completed where you're going to have to focus your next uh, your attention on next to make sure that we shore up and uh, you know how do you see the next the next proposed budget cycle going uh, once these federal dollars have been doled out well I think it, it gets back to the earlier conversation about one time and ongoing as, as long as we're not over obligating ourselves and we're thinking thoughtfully about what our fiscal year 22 and 23 budgets look like and how they impact 24 and 25 as long as we're having those sort of upfront conversations i don't know that we i don't have um i don't have immediate concern i think the if as long as we are budgeting with with that kind of thoughtful um kind of out year look it allows us to make sure we're not over obligating right now um, and again that's what the the governor's budget was built on that we've got a, a, a 22 supplemental recommendation that feeds directly into a 23 recommendation and it and that recommendation 23 still allows us to have a balanced budget for 24. so as long as we're having those sort of thoughts and we we keep that in mind as we have our may consensus conference uh, in the second or third week of May, we'll, we'll, we'll have to adjust based on what those revenues look like. Um, and we adjust, that's the beauty, it's both the beauty and the uh, the trouble sometimes of the budget is it's a living, breathing document and it, it needs to change based on our revenue pictures. 
but as long as we get we keep that long look uh, and don't focus too much on just what is directly in front of us, it helps us to ensure that we that we don't put ourselves in a position where we we need to make dramatic changes in just a year or two. So I think I think as long as we remain focused on keeping that one time and ongoing separate and, and uh, thus far both the administration and the legislature do focus on that. Uh, I think that's that's important for us and it'll help keep us on the right track. Chris, I have one last question and then we'll let you go as we get here close to time. Uh, we have the, you know, federal government passed uh, the Infrastructure Investment Jobs Act, IAJA, I think I'm getting it correctly. Um, I mean, it's obviously traditional roads and bridges are in there, but it's a, it's a very encompassing bill. It's EVs, charging, uh, water infrastructure that you've already talked about. Um, and obviously, so there's a, a bit of managing the diversity of those streams coming in in all the different departments. Just kind of how do you see the budget office fitting into that conversation um, versus how it, I mean, I mean, you know, the governor put Zach in charge of the, he's the new infrastructure czar. So there's that conversation. I think we would probably like to have Zach on here to talk a little bit about that himself um, as a future yeah. guest, but maybe just a little bit of your perspective on how the budget office fits into that conversation. Um, so we understand it better and our clients who are excited about these investments kind of understand your role in there. Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's an important distinction. I think you're right. So Zach will be, uh, the administration's new lead on, on infrastructure as we stand up that infrastructure office. And, and that's a thing that as we look at the, the federal bill, it's pretty clear that the feds want, want states to have those sort of infrastructure offices or a coordinating entity. And so that's partly why the administration has gone this route. And, and it, that'll help us to really make sure that we are thinking strategically across departments. You're right, Andy, there's a lot, there's a lot coming uh, through that, that bill, but unlike what we see with the American Rescue Plan, um, that bill was constructed in a way where monies were sent and states kind of responded at that point, they have a tail in how to spend. Instead, on the on the infrastructure spending, it's much more of a programmatic spend through known distribution formulas. And then there's a lot of grants that states, local units will be eligible to, to try to receive. So it's a, it's a different construct from what we've seen from both the American Rescue Plan and the CARES Act before that. Uh, and so it requires a different level of, of prep it requires um, different foresight and it requires different coordination and it requires coordination in inside state government it requires coordination between states and locals uh, it requires coordination between some states right so um, it's a it's a really different way uh, from what we've seen earlier in the pandemic response and I think it's because it's a different response it's it is it is intended specifically for longer term infrastructure. So uh, the budget office will be keenly uh, involved in, in working with the new uh, the new infrastructure office. Will we are unique in state government in that we, you know, we, we get to, uh, we get to see everybody, right? Uh, we, we are one of those few places where, where all of the agencies kind of come into one spot. Uh, and so that gives us a unique vantage point and helps 
us to kind of coordinate as well, but certainly the infrastructure office will be running point on that and will be in much more of a, a support role uh, as we are with, with a lot of our other agency partners. Very helpful. Well, Chris, uh, so glad for you to be here. Uh, a lot of really, um, you're there, it's just such a crucial time, so much opportunity, uh, very exciting. It's also, I uh, would be uh, lost on me if I guess didn't mention the fact that for the first time in our lifetime in seven decades, we now have a ground war in Europe. So um, as quick as things can be, um, look, Rose, you're optimistic here. There's always uh, a bit of a shadow sometimes cast over the work that you do. So the seriousness of it um, is not lost on us and we appreciate your diligence and kind of the uh, your approach to this. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, for everyone who's out there watching or listening, uh, KGL team added a little new tech to our uh, program here. We have a new webcam in the conference room. So some of the split screen stuff we're working out. So we apologize for some of that. Uh, before we close out, Chris, is there anything you'd want to add or say before we round out the conversation? Uh, I, I, I just thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's always good to work with you, uh, you both. And uh, I look forward to continuing to do so as we've got a lot of work ahead of us in the, the next few months to get through this, this next budget cycle. So thank you for having me. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'd like to remind folks to like our Facebook page and our LinkedIn page to make sure you stay up to date on every time a podcast drops and everything else that Corey Johnson Levitt has going on. Thanks.